ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. BlizzCon is mere days away, and we're back to bring you a pre-drunk Hilton Party edition of the E-League Report, the best damn esports <laughs> show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's Seven, and we're coming at you live from the last row of coach on our way to Anaheim, California. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I was wondering why you were wearing that funny nose. Oh, no. I was just, uh, I'm just here for the candy the and candy. the candles, evidently. <laughs> I got you candy corn scented candles or candy corn flavored candles because you've totally been bogarting all the chewy spree though. So <laughs> well, technically they're not chewy because uh, Prime Now did not have any chewy spree, so I just got regular old spree. <laughs> They've just been warmed on the desk <laughs> for a while. Exactly. Exactly. I put the candle near it <laughs> to make and, them chewy. <laughs> I soaked them in water overnight. Yes, I just don't understand. Oh man! On this week's show, McDonald's brings back the McRib and the hip Fortnite references. Flowers are blooming in New York City, Smash may have had its final Nintendo Direct spoiled, and Blizzard is doing its best to work up people over contenders. But first, we are going to talk about GESC. So there's been a recent set of allegations that indicate that GESC owes more than $750,000 in prizes and various payments to Dota 2 professionals from their last two minors held in the DPC 2007-2018 season. Is it time for Valve to take more charge of their sanctioned esports? Well, okay. Now, when you throw a DPC event, you actually agree... To, with Valve, you make an agreement with Valve to pay out winnings within 90 days. Now, what happens or how that's enforced or what goes on, obviously, it nobody's holding them accountable past that 90 it's days. It's not a piece of was, paper. It's fine. I mean, this was what, uh, March and May, so we're past 90 days at some point in time. Right? I, I think so, yes. Doing I mean, I, yeah, I'm saying, my math is bad, but it's not that far off. Clearly, their math is bad. Yeah, they, they uh, misallocated uh, $750,000. Uh, so one of the reasons why the the community is essentially in uproar over this is because they were uh, there were some questionable choices made by the the tournament organizers beforehand, and a lot of people were saying that you know these are these are new tournament organizers; they shouldn't be thrown throwing a DPC event. Uh, they end up doing it anyways, but it sounds like they spent a lot of money and did what a lot of tournament organizers, reverse time organizers, do is overspend and not be able to throw out the money or not be able to lock down the money to disperse it after the fact yes and what is extra interesting about this is the gesc ceo is actually planning on starting another event and is trying to kickstart it and it's like you owe us money and now you're trying to get people to donate money to you so that you can run yet another event well that's also a bad sign when they don't have enough money to even throw the other event. So you're definitely not going to see it $750,000. There was a group out of we we've heard this before. There's a group out of I think Malta of all things which I was throwing events. Unicorn will be moving there soon. 
Yeah, uh, to throw events and not pay out, evidently. But uh, so they threw out or they threw tournaments for I don't know, like two years or a year and a half straight. Evidently, Malta owes them money and 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 whatever it may be. But this isn't the first we've heard of a tournament organizer uh, essentially defaulting on, on payments to this length of time. I mean, there's been people who are now fighting for a year, year and a half, two years to yep. get payment. I mean, this hasn't quite hit that mark. I think we're only at like eight months. But still, still a lot of money, and it it is not surprising given the way they play loose and fast with with their regulations that it tends to happen both in CS:GO and Dota, especially. Not that it doesn't happen in other games, but I think the prize pools and the prominence of the games makes them stand out quite a bit more. And we really just kind of wish Valve would help out here. Like you can't call it sanctioned if you're not going to enforce the rules. Yeah, and I don't even know if Valve ever expected to have to enforce those rules, which is sad. Um, but and who knows? I mean, now at this point in time, you can say you're going to throw an event for seven hundred with a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars prize pool. Valve may, depending on which uh, esport you're in, match that in some way, shape, or form, and you're going to then default on it. Yeah, free money. Yeah, but yeah, it thinks that you should put things in escrow or something. Maybe maybe that's maybe you have to uh so uh speaking about integrity uh esports insider becomes the key media partner uh media partner of esports integrity coalition this happened yesterday now the esic uh essentially was the the group that came down on forsaken earlier this uh this past two weeks that news can we i know we can't and now they're kind of sort of back again now this you, you you've got a something to say about this <laughs> Why in the world does the Integrity Coalition need a media partner? You know, I can think of some other uh, groups of folks in the day who have needed some sort of state media in order to inform people of the things that they are doing. This is super weird to me. I, I mean, I get it because they're saying that, you know, oh, Esports Insider also runs these events and they've been they've participated in events that we've sponsored. They've spoken at events that we have ran. But that doesn't make me feel any better about this. This just feels odd. That'd be like us being the official media outlet of the ncaa or honestly what we used to see though it was not said in such an official manner when yahoo esports was effectively the official media outlet for riot and they would not give anybody else any news and they do all the exclusives through them it just kind of breaks the point of what the media and journalism is supposed to be in any you know genres especially esports and so i, I this just feels strange i don't get it yeah i think i would like to have you know this group to have multiple partners in uh and sending out that information and keeping people in the know not just necessarily one it seems a little weird i, I don't understand it 100 i think this is largely just a fluff pr piece than anything else they're gonna um, write some sponsored posts it'll be great i don't i don't even think it's sponsored posts it's just they've been backing the esic for a, a while now or ei EIC, e- I don't know what there is. It ESIC because it was from the back in the day when esports was hyphenated. Gotcha. Okay, I was like, wait a minute, there is no S, but this there is the hyphen legacy. <laughs> the the E They have not legacy. updated the acronym. Right. Uh, that aside, um, yeah, I, I I'm just it's a little bit confusing as to why they would need it. I agree, and I don't really know where. They're going with it, and I have nothing else to say about it right now. It's just super weird, but uh, thanks for the press release about the fact that we'll be only be getting press releases from uh, this, Esports Insider. I think the scarier one would have been is, like, does Wessa have a media partner? Because that's kind of... By the way, we have an announcement at the end of the show. Thanks for spoiling it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Next up, McDonald's is advertising burgers in CSGO slang. A quarter pounder is an eco-round. 
So apparently CSGO has soared in popularity in Denmark lately and propelled the rise of the homegrown sensation Astralis, and therefore that has caught wind of McDonald's marketing, and they've decided that they want to uh, get in on the CSGO hype. Uh, which are you more excited for, the return of the McRib or CSGO being big in Denmark? Well, I think Astralis has been doing a lot of like weird publicity stunts recently. I think they were just like at the like, the mayor's office I saw pictures of this week. They're e-famous. Yeah, evidently, and they're they're huge in Denmark. Um, but eco round is such a weird way of saying uh, like a quarter pounder. I wouldn't have thought a quarter pounder. Like, what I are they know. trying to say exactly? Like, that's the pistol of McDonald's sandwiches. I don't know if you're. I, I guess if you're going in with, I guess if you're going to, I don't know, pick a fight. You got to like use them like dualies and one in each hand. I don't know. No. It's. Uh, I think Arby's did this whole promotional thing better with E-League. And it's not just because E-League is, you know, Uh, unknowingly slapped their name on our podcast. It's that they actually made fun of, uh, you know, smoke grenades and smoking and uh, whatever it may be. And for the smoked meats and yada, yada, yada. And not to mention that Arby's does amazing social media around nerd culture in general. So Right, right. Not just saying, oh, look, here's a random term that we found in CSGO. We're going to attach that to... Yeah, no. We're moving is... to site A. What does that mean? I don't know. But would you like some French fries? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty darn awful. All right. So moving quite uh, quite off of that topic because I have nothing else to add to that. And like, over here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fortnite fans achieve the achieve the Guinness Book of World Records for most participants performing in a video performing video game emotes. Now, seriously, like. Dude, this past weekend, I had family around. The kids were, like, dancing and doing Fortnite emotes. And this were, is just a weird, weird world that we live in, that this is just a thing. Uh, and my my question is, is this 393-person group performed the whole routine. One, what was the previous record? And two, why is there a record even for this? I feel like Guinness is just so desperate to stay relevant that they will certify basically anything. I have seen some absurd ones. This one, so there was no previous record, the best I can understand it. They decided to certify this as a new one. And they basically turned a Fortnite flash mob into a Guinness world record. And so it's 393 people. But what's key here is not only are they doing random emotes, but they are dressed in Fortnite costumes. Ah, see, but... I think what we have not discussed, which was maybe also a spoiler for the end of the show, is we now hold the record for the most best esports podcast this week. Yep. In certified Guinness, certified. I mean, if I have to put a unicorn onesie on to make it happen, and that's like what pushes it over the edge towards interesting, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, we maybe we recertify every week or every episode as being the best esports podcast every episode. We'll get like a plaque in the whole nine yards. Will we get one of those really thick books that nobody's ever going to read? No, no, but I'm flossing. Flossing's key. I I, I, I don't. The fact that people can't see you and you still do the, the actual. <laughs> I'm emotes. committed. I'm committed. I'm still flossing, even though I'm just just saying it. Oh man, moving on. Atlanta Rain announced their Overwatch League lineup. Who? Um, so. I think what happened was, is the people who own the Atlanta rain were sitting back last season and they were watching the Dallas fuel and they were like, man, you know, 
Those guys are really screwed up. I know where this is going. I want to set the Guinness World Record for the most screwed up <laughs> Overwatch League team. So therefore, I am going to go find someone with an equally troubled past, throw them with a bunch of new contenders players, and uh, start a squad. And that is essentially what has happened. What What are they thinking here? Well, uh, if you, I guess if you want to get media coverage, this is the easiest way to do it. No, now, literally but- everybody's talking about it, so you're probably right. But adding into Fran, who's already has a a um, a not so pleasant past when it comes to Overwatch in terms of being banned. For I like how matches. nice about it you are. A not so pleasant past. Doing just awful. Did he drop on like racist bombs on his stream? I think so. I think he actually got kicked off of one team simply because of that. I could be confused. There was a there was a, a period could be of time confused with the other racist Overwatch players that I can't keep track. Right, of. right. There was definitely a period of time where I felt like every. Every week we had an, a story around someone doing some kind of racist rant on Twitch while playing Overwatch, uh, and that's it was just it was just constant. So I could be confusing him with somebody else, but I also know that he did a lot of dumb stuff, um, largely on 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 stream, uh, doing uh, like playing not so safe for work games on stream. Uh, was it like Leisure Suit Larry? No, Nekopara, I guess. Oh, or Japanese it, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways. By the way, I, did I you know that. there's a new Leisure Suit Larry? This is like <sighs> trending on Steam. Yeah? yeah. Are we going to turn this into an eSport? Well, <laughs> front is. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I don't know how to so, follow that. So I- he previously played for Selfless Gaming, which is what, in Contenders before. And not only did he get banned, but he was disqualified from all Blizzard-sanctioned events. So it was a pretty big deal before. And when you have a team like the Rain, whose roster is largely made up of Contenders players, so these are players that have not played at the professional level, you throw them in there with what I would view as a very combustible element. They are taking a pretty large risk here. Yeah, and you would think that these these uh, team owners would take a page from last season, which is don't don't pull in explosive people that are just uh, just media targets for doing dumb things that can't be controlled. Don't pull in pedos. That's also another one you should avoid. Not saying Defran's a pedo, but I am. Thank you for clarifying that for our journalistic integrity. <laughs> right, right, right. We got to keep our certification for the Ghost Book of World Records. Records. <laughs> uh, but it just it seems like a, a risky move for your inaugural season as an expansion team. It just I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. Go the, go Toronto's route, which is get a couple people that nobody knows. At least then, be, I mean, I get people are talking about you, but like this feels like something that's going to show up on one of those hold my beer Instagram accounts at the end of the season. <laughs> there you it's go. like xqc does something horrible on stream and then it just shows the atlanta rain owner like hold my beer and then it's like him and defron at the ihop across from you and forsaken i did watch an interesting video this week of xqc watching someone cosplay xqc on stream which is kind of funny <laughs> wow that's like raciception it, it wasn't racist but it was just <laughs> it was definitely like uh if there was ever an ad of adderall watching an ad of adderall that was it <laughs> wow that is that's a lot that's intense i don't even know what to do with that Oh, man. Speaking of contenders, so we got a big doozy for our uh, main topic of the night, which is Overwatch Contenders is changing pretty drastically in 2019. Everybody's worked up about it. Of course, started off in a very dramatic way. There was some documents leaked via Reddit, and then VP Esports, I believe it was, obtained recordings of a meeting between a Blizzard employee and the managers of these contenders' teams. And there is a ton to unpack here. 
So let's start with probably the most contentious thing. And to be clear, this part is the one that I've not seen confirmation of yet. Blizzard did a blog post on some of these other elements that we'll get to in a minute. But what has people the most worked up is in that recording, and previous to that in the documents that were leaked, it was stated there would be no offline final for the last season of 2018. And no confirmation that there would be any further offline finals for contenders in general. And it seems like that is a pretty large change to make while you're also, as you'll see in a moment, doubling down on including the Academy teams. And in the past, Blizzard has tended to indicate with their lack of offline support for esports that it's not something that they're paying that close attention to. We know that playing on LAN is is very, very different than playing online. And the fact that they're removing that both as an event... Um, for 2018 and potentially going forward is a pretty big change in and of itself. Yeah, it does speak to the fact that, uh, I mean, you may not be, be be bringing the best players to the forefront when they're playing not in the, the same arena or the same uh, format, essentially, as you would when you if you are able to make it into the Overwatch League or get picked up or drafted by another team. And that's... Uh, I mean, it's it's almost equivalent to like going from like say a college football team to the NFL because there are some rules changes um, and people hit a lot harder. And so I understand some of that. I understand the, one of the reasons why they're not doing offline land events uh, is more than likely from a cost perspective. Um, but I think it's doing a disservice to the people in the. It, you've talked about it multiple times. Like you just feel like there's not a, a ton of really good competitive Overwatch players. Uh, even out there and as you expand teams you're just going to deplete that pool and, and it feels now, like they're basically admitting that yeah or they just don't care right <laughs> we just don't give a shit well i mean it, all this a lot of this is about the whole path to pro they want to bring up certain specific people versus teams um there's a lot to unpack here because i i'm looking for a cliff notes version so i'm leaning on you for this one which is just is just a bad choice i guess but uh Oh, I've got you. We're all good. So the next big thing is that they're making some pretty drastic changes to the amount of teams that are going to be participating in each region. So they are now knocking that number, with the exception of China, which they have not announced what they're doing there yet, right. down from 12 to 8 teams. How they're fixing NA is actually splitting it and then allowing there to be an East and a West Coast region within NA. So they're now treated as separate regions, and they have eight teams apiece, so they can still say we have eight teams per region, even if we just like made two regions that are fake. And the majority of NA is going to be academy teams for Overwatch League teams. So this does two things. One, it means that we're taking the path to pro and making it more challenging, because there are going to be more academy teams and less open teams. And two, teams that have previously qualified to be part of contenders through the Overwatch contenders trials may not get in depending on the number of teams that accept their invites. So now that we have the number of Overwatch League teams that we do, if all of them go through and accept their academy team spots, and then you take out the ones that are not North America, they're a small fraction of the previous teams that may have made it into contenders. Now we're out, and they'll be forced to re-qualify if they're not invited back through the trial system again. And they've, there's been interviews already that have popped up with particular owners of different Overwatch contenders, teams that are not academy teams, basically said, this means we can't exist. Like, there's not enough money in it for us if we can't 
be guaranteed a spot or if the number of spots available are so small that we basically have to be one of top like two or three teams in order to compete in contenders proper yeah there's a couple things i, I want to mention on this one one uh to the very last point you made is uh, they're also talking about relegation correct so yes. even if you are one of those teams that's not necessarily an academy team you could be bounced out as well yep as soon as season two of 2019 right uh another thing i do want to mention though is i think one of the reasons why they're they've given a, so so much preference towards academy teams because they made the new uh, roster rules where teams mm-hmm. could send their players down to play on contender matches uh, and they're they're wanting to have more of that because last year they had a lot of people sitting right in the bench not playing in contenders not getting a lot of play and that was one of the big gripes between uh, by players is if they weren't being overworked in terms of practice they were getting zero time actually playing the game on stage and and so this should hopefully uh in some ways change that although evidently won't be on land so it might be completely different anyways which is strange that they would give so much preference to academy teams that they're trying to support through the overwatch league but also remove the offline finals at the same time right. it's like two different messages it it is i i agree with that and the one of the last things i i, I do want to mention is there's this, uh, I don't know if it's 100% set in stone. I remember reading about it. It was like this soft cap on you had to have so many people of that, like, nation locked. Yeah, so they're now team. doing region locking. It's three a max of three people from outside of your region, which actually is interesting when you look at the makeup of some of the Overwatch League teams themselves, which are clearly not even close to beating right. that rule. Right, and so what you may, I, I'm wondering if this is a kind of sort of backhanded way to try and get um these teams in these specific regions uh for instance the spitfire right there's not one dude from london in that spitfire nope, right nope, there's not South one english whatsoever right and so if it's a way to maybe take those get those teams to uh try and get people within the region so they're so there's a bit of that national pride involved in some of these some of these countries and it'll just eventually come up because we'll just force the farm system to to bring up people from the region Right. Or they may just not accept the academy team and just say, screw it, we're going to run with what we have. I, I, it, that is the, there's a, there's a lot of things that are kind of counterintuitive or, or going against each other, right? The, you can play, but you can't play on land. You have to have a t- team that is like of, that is essentially region locked, but not your Overwatch League team. It's, Uh, There's a lot of strangeness going on here. We're also seeing a reduction in the number of seasons per year. So right now there's three seasons per calendar year. They're going down to two seasons per calendar year. Those seasons are going to be longer, um, which does affect things like relegation because you're going to get relegated for, you know, there's less opportunity to be relegated, but you'll be relegated for a longer period of time, at least until 2020 when they change the rules all over again. Or uh, instead of getting relegated, you just are uh, moved over to the Hearthstone team for that that academy there you go there you go making that gotta make that prediction one more time before we get to blizzcon <laughs> we got like two more days for it double down it becomes a reality and i and on the profit yeah anything else you want to throw out there while we're talking about it no no except I, I, can we hurry up i want some Reese's pieces that are really good <laughs> so I, this is going to be very there's a lot of things that have me very intrigued about this situation i think the most being we are seeing a lot of unknown players 
being signed to the Overwatch League because of just the sheer amount of teams. We have had this question from the beginning when they announced they were going to expand by eight more squads, that is there really enough talent out there to keep the level of play up? We have not seen a ton. There's been some, but we have not seen a ton of movement of major names. We are still seeing squads like the NYXL and the Spitfire largely hoard their top players, so it's not like they're moving around to different squads. And we have squads like in Atlanta, where they are largely made up of contenders, players, and racists and so we will have to see we'll have to see how that ends up playing out because if we get to the end of this next overwatch league season and the next contenders two seasons and we find that the quality of players has dropped significantly in the overwatch league what kind of impact is that going to have on what is essentially a farm system for that league yeah and i think it's just something we need to to pay attention to and and really see where blizzard wants to take this right now it's just it's really not, it's not clear and it nor is uh the reason well I, I guess the reason for these changes yeah they're trying to simplify it and they're trying to buff up the the farm squads i get that but to what end i have yet to figure out like are they hoping that this will just make it more sustainable long term we'll see but i have not seen a ton of success in taking mediocre bc tier overwatch contenders players and somehow turning them into overwatch league superstars well maybe we'll find out this weekend maybe <laughs> All right, so next up we have uh, the uh, a multitude of, of leaks or claiming to be leaks, uh, which is essentially around the, the, I believe, the box art for the Smash Brothers game coming up, uh, which is there's actually a, the uh, Nintendo Ultimate Direct uh, coming November 1st. Tomorrow. So, wow. Or today is tomorrow. you're listening to the show. Oh, wow. Wow. So... See, look at that. We're so good. We're we're ahead of the curve here. We're but predicting the future. Yeah, we're telling you about it now, and uh, we're actually predicting the past because it may have already happened for many people. That aside, because um, I don't know where I'm going with that, uh, there's a, a couple of uh, characters that were leaked that stand out to me. One, Ken from Street Fighter, uh, Sonic was also mentioned, uh, and Banjo Kazooie are the a couple of the ones that stand out directly to me. I don't know. Do you think for two things here? Do you think this is these are legit leaks? And do you uh, do you see anybody here that you kind of like a standout character or maybe you wish you saw here? Yeah. So basically the history here is on Reddit. An anonymous user posted a poster and the poster was based on the character key art that we have seen in the past, but had it was blurred, but had characters that was pretty clear to identify. So we've seen a lot of Echo characters, so Shadow the Hedgehog, the Echo of Sonic, Ken that we could assume is some sort of Echo of Ryu, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, Gino, Isaac, Mock Rider, Cosmos, and Chorus Kids are the ones that are in this leak. I think this is a pretty good chance this is legit. So, of course, Reddit be Reddit. They were able to super sleuth and find out that this was an employee of a French printing shop that Nintendo employs for promotional art. And so this employee basically... He's a former employee. Yeah, well, the former employee of said printing shop in France. So I'd say there's a pretty good chance that this is legit. I think what people will be most disappointed by is that there is no Waluigi. Because everybody has wanted Waluigi as a playable character. He could be an Echo Fighter for Luigi or something of that nature. And I feel like now Nintendo's just being cruel. They're like, look, we gave you a new Smash game. We're going to get involved in esports. You're going to get a bunch of characters that you've been complaining about. You got Ripley, for example. But you're not going to get Waluigi. We're going to hold that over your head until the next edition of the Switch game. You know, the Switch system will come out. We'll argue about whether or not there'll be another Smash game. And then we'll finally get Waluigi. And then we'll be like, oh, thank you, Nintendo, for blessing us with this Echo Fighter. 
I'm really surprised that they they don't already have or have they announced any kind of DLC for this? Like they come out with like any kind of like season stuff, like Street Fighter does. Not they will have DLC characters, I believe. As of now, what they have said is that we will know all the characters before the game launches at the beginning of December. So it is a pretty much guaranteed that tomorrow or today, when you're listening to the Nintendo Direct, there's going to be the unveiling of a new game mode. They've already teased it. There's a part of the, the game mode select screen that was blurred out. And we know we're going to get some characters. They basically told us there's more characters coming. So if you put everything together, I'd say there's a pretty damn good chance that this list is legit. And this will probably be all we will see until the game comes out. And then we'll just continue to cross our fingers that we'll get some sort of DLC that will probably not include Waluigi, but we can hope. He's, yeah. a, he's a non-playable trophy, and that's what they keep telling us, so... <laughs> that's true they just I mean, these are they're rubbing who, it in right we just got trolled in. by the fact that they had a purple and yellow chair in the background of one of the nintendo directs and people were freaking out that they were just screwing with us because they were waluigi colors i feel like people might be taking that a little bit too far but uh no gamers taking something too far tell me more man i feel bad for that print shop dude he totally just got screwed over well, not really. He did leak stuff, but at the same point in time, the fact that Reddit was able to figure out, sleuth who this person was, uh, and, uh, well, now they're they're done. Here's the important question. Who do we get first, Waluigi or Bowsette? Oh, man. Yeah, see? You can't answer that one confidently, can you? I'm Well, I'm definitely... Uh, I, I haven't looked at... Uh, what kind of Waluigi cosplays are out there <laughs> or fanfic? I'm what, sorry. What, what is the rule? Rule 42? I, I don't know what the, the rule is. We just don't talk about Bowsette. <laughs> All right, fine. Apparently, we're not allowed to talk about Bowsette, but we are allowed to talk about Flower. It has finally happened. We have been waiting since the Overwatch World Cup last season. Your boy, no, my boy, Flower. Oh, now because... Yes, I get all the good people, you get all the, the racists and cheaters. Uh, Flower is finally eligible to play on the NYXL for Overwatch League's second season. He has been part of XL2, the Academy Squad, for uh, speaking of Academy Squads, for uh, the NYXL, but he is now 18. It's finally happening, but here's the question I have for you. Flower, Pine, Libero, Sabiobi... It kind of feels like they're cheating at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it really does. But I mean, if you look at their usage of Pine was really spotty throughout the year. I, I think he also suffered some from some yeah, depression stuff, right? Yeah, so he had some personal issues. But they didn't really run him at every given moment. And a lot of what he's good on, I feel like Flower is very uh, kind of a complementary player to that, like or uh, similar. And so I'm wondering if the two of them are just going to end up fighting for a lot of time. Uh, or we'll see less of Pine and maybe a little bit more of Flower in the same roles. Mm-hmm. But I don't see, I, I I don't see those two on on Is the one same of them map. Drop this time. season? You think you think by the end of the season one of them will be on a different squad? Uh, that is quite possible. And I think, in all honesty, if, if Flower performs well, I mean, was able to take their XL two to second place last year. If if Flower performs well pine i think could fetch a good amount of money from one of these other teams i would take pine in a heartbeat if i was another squad but if flower plays the way he has played in contenders and the way that he played in the overwatch world cup and you had to pick between the two you'd be stupid not to take flower right i i would yeah i mean i think it, you whatever one is doing better right you have the but, curse of the wealthy here right like i have so many good players now they are currently one player over the cap so they have to drop at least one player to get under the cap for the season 
Yeah. So it could be it could be that maybe Pine is even on the way out, right? It, it, I don't know. The, there was definitely uh, a, a questionable time last season in which we thought, uh, like, you know, he just kind of disappeared for a while. And we found out it was like some depression issues and so on. Yep. Yeah. But he, he wasn't able to perform at his best throughout the entire season he spent some time on the bench he was definitely a fan favorite people loved him and when he was on he was on but uh, he certainly had his struggles and be interesting to see what nyxl does going forward yeah and uh so let's let's move on to a topic that i know is only in here because you're a uh, wrestling nerd um your hey, boy hey, your boy hey, tyler Wan marks okay <laughs> all right <laughs> i don't know I'm not really into wrestling, so again, you'll have to carry this topic. <laughs> uh, so Tyler One and uh, I'm a Cutie Pie are are together uh, now for a show match for the WWE Legend League of Legends uh, show match. Is going on. It's a it's going to be an actual series on YouTube, and it, I believe it's a five versus five showdown. And there's quite a few people included in this. Oh, please pronounce all of them. I will not even come <laughs> close to that because I don't even know who a lot of these people are. Uh, so I will go ahead and let you take this over, being that you put in the word orgasmic <laughs> in terms of uh, a descriptor of how for this. excited I was. Right, yeah. So, Brian, uh, on a level of one to orgasmic, how excited are you for this? Is it possible to be doubly orgasmic? Uh, I By the way, so. is this advanced swearing that we're doing right now? I don't know if it is. I mean, we're, we're well, let's call this one in. Jules, who's our producer and listening in right now, can you can you check on that for us so we don't do it in the future? Right. Yeah, we need we need a double check, and uh, we'll just have to see. I, but for, I, can't, for I now, can't wait to read that email response. So let's talk about this. I'm really really excited about this. So essentially, what is happening is Riot has partnered with the WWE, specifically Up Up Down Down, which is my boy Xavier Woods' channel on YouTube. You get really upset when I just like co-op all the good stuff, right? I, I'm I'm just glad that I didn't get tournament organizers thrown into my boys' list. This, <laughs> this show, you and your boys over at the GESP. So what is going on here is they are doing this five versus five show match on Xavier Woods' video game channel, which is a very, very popular channel. I think he's over a million subscribers now. So both the WWE, which is one of the most watched channels on YouTube, on top of that, they are also cross-promoting that with Up, Up, Down, Down. Uh, what is essentially happening is Tyler One and I'm a Cutie Pie are player coaches, and it is WWE wrestlers versus NXT wrestlers. So what you have is I am Cutie Pie's team, which is Cesaro, Ruby Riot, Seth Rollins, and Tyler Breeze, and they're going up against Tyler One's team of NXT superstars, which is Johnny Gargano, Dakota Kai, Shayna Baszler, and Adam Cole, and they're doing a web series of this five versus five matchup. I think the best I can tell from the intro video that we've seen is they're going to do some behind-the-scenes stuff. There's a lot of interviews. They're going to make it dramatic and drag it out. But it is actually important from the standpoint of this puts League of Legends and Riot in front of a very, very large audience, especially in WWE. A lot of times, WWE's content gets can, sorry gets consumed to such a large degree that it is more so on social than it even is on cable television. Now, if you remember, we talked about what does what does Riot do to kind of pull Riot out of the hole for this year? Yep, and it was show matches. Or various types of of uh, changes to their their format, uh, in to either be more inclusive or be more entertaining in the off season or in during these kind of uh, between. We got these lulls, lulls or, right? You know, yeah, we got and time so, between worlds matches. We have worlds about to end up. 
Yeah. And so in this case, however, uh, they're doing it and they're partnering with a huge media giant essentially in doing in so. In the most orgasmic way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, between roommates or, uh, you know, tell us. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for this. I'm very interested to see what they do with this. This seems to be a very similar style that we have seen E-League actually take when they've tried to tackle these games that are not easily televisable because of their length, and they do it more documentary style. And if that's the route they take with this, using proper popular WWE personalities, this could actually work really, really well for them, especially leveraging that very large audience. Yep. And, uh, of course, maybe this will be a new eSport. I would love it. Could we just like all the time? I mean, uh, to, to be fair, Xavier Woods has made a career for himself outside of WWE on YouTube by using wrestlers to play in these mini tournaments that he forms around specific games. He's also big in the FGC. We've seen him spin up Windjammer tournaments at, at Evo. Like He has done a lot in the esports community, and I do think this gets at that same thing that has made his channel so popular, so they may have something here. Well, I'm not saying anything about Xavier Woods. I'm, I'm, what I would... Why you gotta, why you gotta talk shit about my boy? whatever uh <laughs> what i'm thinking uh is is or what i'm trying to say is i would love to see at least when i first started reading this uh is the the actual like competitive wrestling games now that would be oh they also have done a tournament for that so you got to check out the channel man i'm telling you you'll be a fan i feel like you're offering me some kind of weird strange drug that's gonna keep me a virgin <laughs> get in the back but of i'm my not band, a virgin sir yeah Anyways, I don't. Wow, we're not going to go with that topic. We are going to talk about a little Dota two though. So Team Secret took <laughs> Just home close enough. Yep, yep. Team Secret took home the ESL one Hamburg Championship. Now this is a team that has struggled since they got knocked out of the international in 2017. Does this indicate a turnaround for Team Secret, or is this just a blip on the radar and we'll be complaining about this again come the next international? Well, it all depends. I mean, Team Secret always seems to be going into, seems to have like a a hot normal season, is highly favored when going into the international. Um, But like in this past year, dumped out pretty early, like (laughs) we're like the 12th, the 19th place, did not quite uh, perform as expected. I think they got dumped by Team Liquid. This is just kind of par for the course for Team Secret. It seems like every year they go into it and people think, oh, you got to watch them. Build up the hype. Let all the hype down. Yeah, and then they don't walk away with all the monies. Yeah, you know, those are them's the breaks in Dota too. At least they get paid what they did earn. You know, they didn't compete and you know get all their money held for ninety plus days. No, but what they should do is jump over to Fortnite, like Tifu and Cloxy, uh, who uh, won the fall skirmish uh, grand fin- finals. I believe that was over at TwitchCon this past weekend, right? Just uh, just wrapped up recently yep. in San Jose uh, this year, which threw me off. It was not in Long Beach this year. Yeah, they they did change it up. Uh, Which they, is good because I totally would have just shown up in Long Beach on my way to BlizzCon and been like, I'm here, bitches. And then they're like, what? <laughs> they're just like security sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they do head home with $400,000 from TwitchCon. Now, between the two of them uh, this year, I think they also knocked out several of the uh, – who is it? Keemstars? He was doing the, the Friday Fortnite stuff. Yeah, before uh, Epic came and peed in their Cheerios. Yeah, before they just decided to throw tournaments over top of it. Uh, but between the two of them, they've now taken home over $400,000 each. So over 800000 pushing $900,000 total. Are they, in fact, in your eyes, the best duo right now? I think from a competitive esport perspective, yes. Like There are certainly names that are bigger as individuals. There are certainly streamers that are bigger. But when you're looking at prize money 
and their placement at tournaments, it's kind of hard to argue with their record. Like you said, we have $418,000 for Cloaksy in 2018 and $465,000 in 2018 for Tifu. Hard to argue with those numbers. Now, there's probably some one-off show matches that you know Ninja and other people have won. But when you talk about pure competitive Fortnite, not on the back of streaming, they are the names that come up the most. And if they're not the best, they are certainly in the discussion. Well, I think even now with streaming, Tifu is very much up there at the top as well. And so I. You got to make it big on one side. You, you kind of make a career on the other, especially if you can do well at esports. People will tune in to watch you practice. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is that we, we had talked about a lot of these uh, teams trying to, um, you know, sign all these different players right and, it, and sometimes it's just like this scattershot effect if i just have the 10 10 fortnite players i'm going to make enough money to possibly uh bring home something that'll counter like that'll basically that my return on investment will be good enough that Spray it makes pray. sense to do it right yeah and so if you look at these two bringing home nearly a million dollars and and winnings thus far this year uh it's a good cut for phase yeah for two players man yep yep and wrapping things up today, so another thing that got announced at TwitchCon that we have not talked about yet is squad streaming. So Twitch has definitely been throwing things out there. We talked about the tournament stuff on the last episode. This one is essentially the ability to stream multiple people at the same time. So you and I have our streams going. We can kind of pull it in like a picture-in-picture picture type situation. Uh, some people have said that like this is really good for podcasting, for example. So it's, a, it's an interesting feature. My question I have for you is why? Like, What is Twitch hoping? for here we have seen things in the past that you and i have maybe accused them of trying to you know pump up viewership numbers because they have you know multiple people watching the stream and how they count them like i don't, I think there's value here but what is your take on this like why is twitch going this direction i think it's something that people have been wanting for quite some time i mean the multi-twitch has been around essentially performing the same uh service those guys are sad now yeah yeah and but that's been i mean I back when I was watching like the Daisy Survivor Games stuff, like way back in 2017. Uh, no, it was it was probably at least four years ago, five years ago. Oh, way, way more than that, I guess. But you anyways, uh, yeah, back when when Twitch was just as high. Um, <laughs> back when it was called Justin TV. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, um, but I, I think that they're just basically catching up with the times. I mean, Mixer's been doing this right for for a while now. I don't know how they attribute numbers or how they'll handle chat in this case. Um, but I think for a lot of these groups, you sometimes get uh, really large streamers with like a middle size streamer. And I think it's good for, for streamers in general because it's like you're hosting on steroids. Yeah. Because sometimes what you have um, is uh, if you're part of a squad and, and you die out early, you ha you're not getting any kind of viewers or you're just kind of milling around well, maybe, uh, buying time until you can hop back in and maybe this allows people to i don't know maybe commentate or bring up the other streams I, i'm just wondering how they would just change up streams uh if it's just simply here's five streams in in one window it's nothing groundbreaking i don't know if this changes much of anything although it could be cool from an esports standpoint if you want to see these individual ones and yeah, see watch the streams. entire squad at once Right, a lot of like I mean, E League's been doing that already, right? But in this sense, you could almost build it into any of the things that Twitch kind of has the rights to stream. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if you are talking about the these professional players, for example, if they're practicing duos, you can put them both in the same stream instead of using multi Twitch. Uh, we've also seen a lot of 
and, and I don't know this will get used exactly the same way, but we were talking before the show about how there's a lot of streamers that are streaming themselves, watching other streams, and how much of that will get replaced by this feature will be another interesting thing to look at. Yep, I think it's worth. Uh, I think it's worth keeping an eye on. I just don't see how they how they handle the numbers or what they plan. And to that do. does matter because when you're talking about like distribution of numbers and who's going to get the subscribers, and, and I'll be very interested to see how all that part plays out because that will dictate how successful this is in potentially boosting some of the mid-tier and lower-tier streamers when they do squad up with you know somebody big, which I imagine will be a thing. Indeed. Indeed. Yep. Awesome. So that's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're on iTunes, be sure to tell us what you think of the show. Leave those five-star reviews. And people have been listening. Mr. Fistifer was listening. <laughs> I had never and thought in my professional career I'd be thanking Mr. Fistifer, but thank you, Mr. Fistifer. I just like saying that. I, I, evidently. I mean, even before the show, you said like a dozen times. It just rolls off the tongue. I, I mean, it's, it's perfect. Perfect. So if you want us to uh, have your name roll off our tongue, I don't know where I'm going with that one. Be sure to leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. It does help people discover the show, which we very much appreciate. You can also follow us on social media at E-League Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Or if you want to troll us directly, uh, a lot of people have been joining us over at our Discord at discord.eleaguereport.com. So be sure to do that. And if that's not enough esports content for you, that's right. We've got even more. You can check us out at the newly minted E-League Daily for the day's top headlines available at Amazon Echo Flash Briefing or in regular old podcast form, which includes our producer, Jules Scott. Oh, Jules. The only one of us that knows what she's doing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think she checked out the show a little while ago. So well, she, She's been drinking. She's already at BlizzCon. She's, yeah. she's relaxed. She's in full vacation mode. Yeah. Uh, we, I have no plans to sleep till BlizzCon until I get to BlizzCon. <laughs> That's the nerdy version of No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Exactly. Uh, on that bad pun, I'm going to end that. It's going to do it for today. We will be back on Monday with all the news from BlizzCon on the next edition of the evening.